0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk Sport
1: powered by fans.
2: Confidence starts with loving who you are.
3: Summer of waiting is over. We've got new kits, new arrivals, fans back at St Mary's. There's plenty to be excited about on the eve of another season in the Premier League. Hello and welcome to a brand new season of the Total Saints podcast. My name is Martin Stark and each week I'll be joined by some familiar voices to reflect on all things Southampton Football Club. Before we start, I must just mention the big name departure that the whole city has been talking about this week. We knew it was coming, but it certainly doesn't make it any easier. Ben Stanfield, founder and host of the Total Saints podcast, is stepping back after four years at the helm. I'd like to personally thank Ben for all his hard work and dedication to this podcast. I'm pleased to say that Ben will continue to work behind the scenes, as well as occasionally joining us to provide some alternative punditry throughout the season. And as always, a big thank you to all the patrons who have signed up to join us again this year, because without your continued support, none of this is possible. Now, back for another year, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant is back. How was your summer, Steve? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, been
1: interesting. All the, all the Euros, been to all the Euros games, obviously, apart from the one in Rome that we weren't allowed out of the country for, and um, I was one of probably thousands of people who uh, picked up the Wembley variant of COVID Im- immediately after the final. So that was uh, that was less fun.
3: But you're um, all good and ready to go now.
1: Yes, yeah, season has pretty much started, really, isn't it? Went to went to uh, Sutton United's inaugural game in the Football League uh, yesterday at Forest Green Rovers. So uh, yeah, everything is everything is is kind
3: of in place now, isn't it? I think well it's great to have you back also with us is writer of the blog League One minus Ten, Glenn de La fully rested and ready to go again Glenn? I'm not sure I think
4: I'm all footballed out to be honest after <laughs> after the euros it's like well, there's four weeks to the season start, and it's like oh my God it doesn't seem to be uh doesn't seem to be much time at all, but yeah so since um since the euros well during the euros as well i've been uh trying to uh, haul my carcass around a cricket pitch um, with mixed levels of success, um, as in not much. And uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it all it all starting. Well, it's great to have you
3: back. And we're delighted to be joined once more by The Athletic's dedicated Saints reporter, Dan Sheldon, who decided to have last week off. Nice, quiet week off, Dan? Oh, it, it was,
5: I've had two weeks off. So <laughs> yeah, it's been um, really nice. Thank you very much.
3: You haven't missed much. <laughs> no, no,
5: although... as even in this job you're never really truly off and
3: yeah last week was definitely a case of that well it's fair to say we've got plenty to talk about so welcome to episode 163 of the total saints podcast this is the total saints podcast with martin stark steve grant
4: Glenda Lacour, and the athletics dan sheldon
3: Now, we put a poll on Twitter this week and it turns out that the topic that people are most interested to hear us discussing is new signings. 56.5% of people voting on new signings as the first topic. Uh, we can only talk about new signings because there's some money in the bank, which came about on Wednesday of last week after the, I think it's fair to say, surprise sale of Danny Ings. How did they manage to keep that a secret from you, Dan?
5: Well, it it wasn't really a secret to us. Um... So at The Athletic, we had wind of that story at 8.37 was the first message that I received that, that morning. We waited all day to get a third source on the story and then Aston Villa put a statement out and yeah, our story went. So it was a surprise uh, at first. In the morning, it was a surprise, but by the time it was announced, I mean, we kind of known for eight hours or so so it wasn't too much of a surprise towards the end
3: and I think it's fair to say I know you guys have spoken about this at length over the last year or so but I think it's fair to say it was a deal that had to happen Steve um yeah I mean if if the reported um numbers are are accurate then
1: I I don't think there was any any alternative but for but for us to accept the offer he clearly wasn't going to sign a new contract with us and I think if um we were expecting slightly more illustrious uh, teams to come in for him and and sort of start some sort of bidding war then i think with the amount that villa had put on the table I, I think we were you're going to be very disappointed if you think that um spurs are going to get involved at that sort of price um maybe arsenal maybe um at a push as well and i think we we kind of realized okay well villa are throwing money around He's quite happy to go there, so let's just let's just draw a line under it and get it done rather than rather than dragging it out into into that tedious period in the last sort of three or four days before the end of the transfer window when we've already played probably five games and it it serves nobody's purpose really so um best to get get it done now it's like pulling pulling a plaster off a off a wound isn't it? You just get it done, take
3: the hairs with it and um and get on with life really. That's a lovely image. Glenn, I know you were chatting to some Villa fans this week on a podcast of theirs. Was it a surprise for them? Or Were they in a mar- in the market for a striker?
4: Um, I think they were, but I think, yeah, basically the guy I spoke to, I, I think it was a, a surprise to him. And the, the reason I was on the podcast uh, that they did, which was, um, I can't remember what it was called, something to do with Paul McGrath. For the love um, of Paul McGrath, was it? That's the one, that's the one. <laughs> um, so I, I think they... You know, like you see opposition players and you see them maybe two games a season when you when you really pay attention to them. They didn't really sort of like know what sort of player they were getting. So they, they were interested in finding out about, you know, how he, how he was going to fit into their team. Now, I mean, not that I care too much about what Villa are going to do, but they're going to have to completely remodel the way they attack because everything went through Grealish last season. And of course, he's not going to be there. So... You know that that was that was the angle they were coming at. Um, I think I think it was a bit of a surprise to them. I mean, the the guy who I was speaking to was was basically saying that he had um, bought into the narrative that Ings was going to go to a Champions League club or or he was going to stay where he was. And I think that's a narrative that a lot of people, including you know, probably including the board at Saints, probably bought into. And that's uh, that's uh, part of the issue why it seems to have been a slightly uh terse. Um, Part of the ways. Is that why it sticks in the throat a bit more? I'm
3: thinking when Jose Font went to West Ham, they make all the noises about going for the trophies and the Champions League and then move to a, I was going to say another mid-table club, but somebody that
4: would be really, you know, quite happy with a, a top six finish. Um, I, th- I th- You have to say Villa are probably upwardly mobile at the moment with the money they were throwing around, but they've just lost their best player. So, and that that can happen to virtually... Anyone, um, I think it does stick in the throat a little bit, and I, you know, the, the statements that have come out or the lack of statement that's come out of the club and, and the statement from Ings to, to me, they they say it's not been uh, it's it's not been nice and friendly the um, the part in the way. So uh, maybe Dan knows a bit more about that, but it it just it just seems to me like Saints offered to make him the highest paid player in in Saints history under the impression that he was going to move to a Champions League club or, or stay and I've, it seems to me like they've probably taken it quite personally. That well, we always uh, wait for
3: that uh, that post on Instagram or that post from Twitter uh, thanking the fans and it, it seemed to take its time and uh, Dan, I was reading your article today, uh, there were doubts in Ralph's mind about whether he might even start him for the first couple of weeks of the season based on his his, his attitude and his, his, um, his pre-season um, performances.
5: Yeah, so if, if I just sort of take it back to the start, I think, you know, sort of 48 hours before Ings joined Aston Villa, nobody at Saints was you know, expecting him to leave. Um, they just didn't think it was going to happen. Aston Villa thought they were getting Tammy Abraham. And then I think when the kind of figures were presented in front of them, thought, oh, well, that's actually rather a lot of money. Then in that situation, they, they were desperate to get a, a striker in before Jack Grealish left. They didn't want Grealish to go without a striker coming in. And... South people at Southampton I've spoken to, as the piece that went online on Sunday kind of reflects, were were surprised when they made that offer in terms of, of how much it was because I know of another Premier League club that offered less than half of that. So I think when it, when it was like that, it was yeah okay he you know the Athletic broke did the story where he turned down a contract he wasn't going to sign that was clear and then in pre-season. You hear kind of mumblings that he's not looking as interested as he once was, perhaps isn't as sharp as he may have been in, in the previous summer and the one before that. And I think body language is a big thing. And I don't think many were... Yeah, I think people had noticed perhaps that, you know, this wasn't the Ings that they were used to seeing. So Ralph, uh, as is his responsibility, was looking at all different options. And Nathan Teller and Shay Adams were used quite a lot in training. As a combination, I think we've seen that in pre-season. And it got to the point where with Ralph, as you'll all know, he is that kind of, you're either with me or you're not. And if you're not, then let's shake hands, be amicable and move on because I've only got time for people that are with me. I think him going to Villa was the right move, the right time. It gives, you know, it stops, as the other guys have said, talk about, is he staying? Is he going for the next kind of three weeks? It gives them a bit of money now to to reinvest in the squad, so I think, as I say, it's it's one of those where if Southampton stay up at the end of next season and they've got a striker that scored 20 goals, everyone will say it was a genius move. If they go down, people will probably look at that the deal to let Ings go as one of the reasons. But you know, it's way too early to start talking about all of that. But no, yeah, good move all round, I think, for for Ings, and as I say, it's a lot of money for the club,
3: so. And it means we can draw a line under it and stop talking about it now. So
5: Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully the next time we talk about it will be when Saints play Aston Villa and there's...
3: We all remember the, the 25 goals. I think it was the year before. 13 last season in all competitions. I think Ralph said this week he just needs the others to step up and maybe score an extra four goals each, which doesn't seem a lot, but it's, it's probably easier said than done. Before we get on to new signings, Steve, can you see where there might be some more goals coming from the, the, the current crop of players? Uh, I'm talking Long and, and Redmond. Do you think they've got an extra four goals in them? Uh, Redmond, yes. Um, long, to be honest if
1: Longs playing very much this season I'll be I'll probably be a little bit disappointed given that obviously he was farmed out on loan for the second half of last season did okay to start with for Bournemouth but then got injured and and basically his season was over in what march um I think I mean ultimately we've got two, back, two effectively two backup strikers in him and Obafemi and if we're going to give either of them a game then personally I'd prefer it to be the younger of the two given that he's the one that's potentially got a future with the club but I mean if if the the rumours are true then we're we're about to sign another player out of Chelsea's academy on loan as a striker who's presumably not going not going to be expect, expected to um, start straight away so therefore you're looking at surely you're, you're then offloading um, Long or Obafemi, whether it's permanent or on or on loan themselves. And you're, you're then not quite sure how the makeup of, of that attack's going to look. But I think, I mean, in terms of the extra goals, I think Redmond certainly can can provide those. Whoever we have leading the line alongside Shea Adams has got to um, come up with the goods as well. I think Adams has shown enough improvement that there's more goals to come from him. And I think just... Just generally across the team, we don't score that many goals from defence. Even though we've been relatively strong in set pieces the last last two or three years, it'd be nice if Bednarek could score in a in a game where we don't go two nil up and lose. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we'll see what the what the fullbacks look like. Obviously, Walker Peters scored in midweek, so that was that bodes that bodes quite well. Uh, be interesting to see how um, uh, Perro gets on um, on the other flank because um, obviously, yeah, quite attacking numbers for. Um, uh, for Brest last season didn't he so um, we'll see it we'll see how that goes I think
3: and at the time of recording we haven't got a signing over the line just yet he says as he refreshes his timeline but things seem to be developing quite quickly at the moment Dan
5: yeah it's been um, a very busy kind of 24-48 hours at St Mary's I think there so I think it's well documented they they really like Adam Armstrong at Blackburn but um, that, that interest hasn't gone away there's you know, as I reported earlier, they've essentially left to take it or leave it offer for Blackburn to accept or reject. But I think, you know, Blackburn are kind of in a a little bit of position of power with that one. You know, Southampton aren't the only team interested in Armstrong. You've got Palace like him, Norwich also like him. So if Southampton don't want to get into a bidding war, then they either just match or just meet what Blackburn want, or or walk away from it. Um, I don't think that deal is dead in the water yet, but I the sense I get is that Blackburn perhaps need to come down a little bit if they are to if he is if Southampton are to have their bid accepted in terms of the the one that's come out tonight is that Armando Brosier. yeah so that would be a third third signing from Chelsea's academy he's I don't know too much about him he's obviously signed a new contract at Chelsea which I mean they hand out contracts to everyone uh, in terms of their academies but he's he comes, I think, highly regarded. You know, I, as I say, I think he's quite a big centre forward. He's not, I think, you know, he's not, whereas Danny Ings was quite on the smaller side of six foot. I think Armando's pretty tall. So that will add something, something a bit different to Southampton's forward line. But it's also very much, you know, it's not going to be Armando, Brozier and no one else. Uh, the desire is to bring in two forward players. So it'd be Armando, Brozier plus someone else, I think. Ideally, you'd want that someone else to have a bit more experience. I don't think you can kind of go into the Premier League season with all due respect to to Shane Long and Michael Obafemi as those two and and Shea Adams, really. You need a bit more experience. I'd quite like, sort of similar to when they did with Theo Walcott last summer, I personally would like them to go out and sign a striker uh, that's kind of on that 29, 30, 31. Just get them on loan or or something for a season, but there aren't many available. So, yeah, it's it's kind of non-stop at the moment, I think, behind the scenes at St. Mary's in terms of trying to get deals done. They know the season is edging closer by the day. They want new faces in, but then they're not the only team looking for strikers. So, it's a very competitive market, and I I, I, under, I can understand why supporters get frustrated that, you know, you might think, well, Danny Ings left at the start of this week. We should have someone in by now. But you know for every striker that's available you've probably got two or three maybe four Premier League clubs looking at them so Southampton have to deal with that and have to be a little bit clever with some of the deals they do as is this brozier one they're obviously trying to think a little bit outside the box to, to get someone who clearly has some quality in but yeah I expect it to continue to be a very
3: busy few days up up to next weekend. I quite like this new Monday morning routine of announcing an exciting new player from Chelsea. I think if that happens every Monday, then then, that's, um, <laughs> then I think we're in for a good season. Any of those names that excite you, Glenn? Would any of those um, make you happy
4: going into that uh, that opening game on Saturday? Well, I saw um, Dan's article today. Um, odson Edward from Celtic was mentioned. Um, obviously, that, that will be on the expensive side, as would, as we alluded to earlier, Tammy Abraham. But the, the other names mentioned... I mean, yeah, the, the Chelsea kitty. I don't know anything about him. Adam Armstrong has been spoken about. I think we've all done a little bit of research onto what sort of player he is. That will be okay, but I, I, I think we'll miss the boat on that one somehow because other teams are interested. The one that, has thankfully, been ruled out, Alexander Sorloff, Um He he just looked like a new Guido Carrillo to me. You know, no, <laughs> nothing in his career that suggested that. You know, by by his mid twenties. Nothing in his career that suggested he was going to be uh, a decent option in the Premier League. You know, one good season in Turkey, and I think that's um, that's uh, not the best of leagues. Are you referring to the the spell at Palace with no goals? Well, no, not not just that. I mean, he went back, having scored all the goals in Turkey. He went back to Leipzig last year and couldn't get in the team. Basically, he played a, you know played a load of games as a sub, scored five goals in thirty appearances or something. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I think he was young when he was at Palace, but obviously he didn't didn't score in the league. So it's 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 not that so much. It, it's you know, it's what he's done since we we signed Carrillo based on nothing basically. And and Soloth has got a little bit more about him. He scored goals at international level where you do play a lot of very weak sides. But um, and he had that season in Turkey. But uh, but I'm I'm hoping Dan's right with that one. I think it would be a very big ask to expect that one to work out well. Do you think it's more of an impact
3: player that we need at the moment? Is, is, that, is that the, the, the got to be the first priority?
4: I mean, there's going to be an element of a gamble about whoever we sign, because we're Southampton. We're not shopping at the, you know, we're not shopping at Arads, are we? Let's face it. It's going to be, you know, and this is why we got to look at Danny Ng's original signing and say how inspired it was. You know, we signed him for 20 million at age 26. We're selling him for more than that at age 29. So... both from a business point of view and a football point of view that that was a great signing and we've got to try and do the same thing again i mean out out of those names mentioned i don't know probably odson edward would be the one that i'd I'd most like and yeah we do need someone to come in and and have an impact because i'm not convinced that nathan teller is ready to be a starting player you know and score 15 16 goals this season And, and we we do need to get more goals in the team um you know the question you asked steve about <laughs> could we get more could we get more goals out of other people in the team uh, you know i think we're severely struggling in in other areas so yeah we we do need someone who's going to come in and, and actually be decent at a premier league level
3: we should say there have been a couple of new signings. Obviously, the first one, we've got the Theo Walcott deal over the line uh, and then Peru joining um, for, we think, about £11 million. A couple of exciting new prospects as well from Chelsea. What have you made of the new signings, Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, an, it's an interesting sort of slight change of approach
1: in that obviously everyone's aware that Chelsea stockpile all these fantastically talented youngsters and then there's absolutely zero uh, pathway through to the first team so why not give them give them that opportunity and i mean i've i've seen very little of of either of the two that we've brought in um, previously but certainly from from reports i've read from people who have watched quite a lot of them they sound like um sound like absolutely kind of solid signings for us and and players that are going to be on the fringes or pushing to be in the first team at some point um, this season. Um, I mean, judging by uh, Livramento's impact on uh, yesterday afternoon against uh, Athletic Club, it's weird that we've actually got some genuine competition for places at, at right back when we kind of just assume that Walker Peters has got this nailed down I mean don't get me wrong I fully expect Walker Peters to be the starting for starting right back for for some time but at least we've even in this brief 45 minutes we've seen okay if if Walker Peters has one of his little niggles like he did uh midway through last season we don't need to keep we don't need to bring him back too too quickly because we've now got an option um and I think that's that's absolutely key because the main the main problem we had last season wasn't it was when we had like nine players out injured at the same time and you're kind of almost forced to try and bring them back too quickly, and then they're not fit enough at that point, and you get overrun by teams. And that's that's where that's where we lost games um, in that kind of uh, February March period where we were absolutely dreadful. It was just because we we had we had no legs, and getting getting some some youth in the team and players that are that seem to be of the required level. I mean, obviously you're not going to know for certain until you put them up against quality opposition but no I, I i like i like the way i like the the kind of slight change of attack that we've gone in there but i think when it comes to the striker um situation i think we need to probably given that we've lost someone as you say who's got what 38 league goals in the last two seasons uh, combined i think we need to look a little bit a little bit bigger um in terms of um kind of am, i mean i hate the word ambition but that's kind of kind of the the sort of catch all phrase for um for what we need to look at there. So I I mean I I think I mean if Tammy Abraham's available and he would take the same wages that we offered Danny Ings, then I would say absolutely dive in on him. He's he's a he's a kid who's been proven to score goals at Premier League level. I mean yes in a good team that creates loads of chances, but who's to say that we can't
3: create chances? It does seem unlikely, doesn't it, at the moment. Um, A lot's been made of the the number three shirt being vacant as well, Dan. Is that an area you think they're still trying to to do some work and maybe get something over the line? The attentions have all been on the the striker at the moment, but do you think there's still some work going on behind the scenes there?
5: Well, I think the priority, as you've just said, is the forward players. I think then you could possibly start looking at a, a versatile player that could sort of feature as a number six could play as a centre back, also able to cover as a full back. Sort of similar to Prousey really. You know, we've all seen Prousey play in, in different positions at you know midfield and in defence. I think that would be the sort of player they'd go for, um if if they could find one and if they can get one. So I mean I don't know I I'm not really a shirt numbers person, to be honest. I think you could start reading into all sorts if you start looking at well, we haven't got a number a number seven or whatever it is. Um so, yeah, they want two forwards and if they're going to make a third signing, I'd expect it to be a sort of number six slash centre back slash full back jack of all trades if they can get one.
3: And I know, well, I think I know what the answer is going to be. The The James Wall-Prowse thing, um, that is just an injury, isn't it, at the moment? We shouldn't read anything more into that.
5: Yep. So he's got a, a, an issue with his knee. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I'd be absolutely gobsmacked, and I mean gobsmacked if he is not a Southampton player come the end of the transfer window. It's just a knee at the moment, and Ralph's keen to ensure he you know, he has the best chance possible to make the Everton game um, next weekend. So, yeah, that's why we've not
3: seen Prowse in the last couple of games during pre-season. Okay, well, I think we're in for a busy couple of days. Um, I think we could, we could all agree on that. It's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens over the next 48 hours or so. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Move on to pre season because a um, couple of games, a couple of good results early on. Obviously, putting a few past Swansea and Cardiff. Mixed result on Saturday. um Any standout performances, any
4: concerns for you, Glenn? Um, or can we not
3: read too much into pre season?
4: Can't read too much into pre season. Um, I remember there was a season in the 90s where we had a 100% pre season record and then we lost nine out of the first 10. <laughs> so we used to go
3: to Northern Ireland to beat everybody 9 oh, nil. I don't,
4: don't know. It it? It, <laughs> yeah. Um, we used to oh, we used to go you know Faroe Islands or something no it was sort of Scandinavia somewhere, play all these third division sides yeah you you can't read anything into pre season You can just sort of look generally at how sharp the team looked the, to me, the team looked sharp, you know most of the players, apart from Danny Ings, looked sharp and um and everyone looked very fit. you know we were sort of really in the Cardiff and Swansea games, we were pressing the ball very well, and you know that's. That's a good thing. But you can't, you know, someone sticking a couple of goals in the net against Swansea, you know, in the last 20 minutes, it doesn't mean anything with regards to how they're going to go when the the real football starts. I think it was probably a positive thing that we got beat yesterday because it stops you thinking that, you know, we can just roll over anybody and everything's going to be fine. You know, we got beat relatively comfortably yesterday and that will put everybody on their toes. I, I don't think, I think... You know, some fans overreact to, you know, we smash someone 4-0 and everyone thinks we're great and then we lose a game and everyone thinks we're dreadful. The truth is is, al- is always somewhere in the middle. And you've you just got to take pre-season for what they are. They're just friendlies. If we played a friendly in mid-season and, and, and got beat or whatever, no one would care too much. So why do people care so much preseason? We look sharp. We look fit. You can, you can look at some of the new players, like, you know, you can work out what sort of football a Perot is. I mean you could see that he wants to defend on the front foot he's very quick at closing people down and you know i like that you know i think that's that's a positive thing you could you could tell that Liveramento won't be a sub for very long um will find they'll find a position for him somewhere he looks to have a lot about him so that that's the sort of things you can take for, from pre-season but uh you know just because um, certain players score a couple of goals against weaker sides it it, it doesn't really uh, tell you too much about how they're going to go when the season uh, starts for real
3: I did see somebody suggest that Chelsea might buy back uh, Livramento before the start of the season because uh, he, he was looking that sharp yesterday. But Steve, what about uh, left back? Gineppo seems to be getting a bit of a run out of there. Is that a concern for you? Have we, have we kind <laughs> oh of like,
1: decided God. that? that, that that's, uh... that's, that's an absolutely terrifying prospect.
4: <laughs> Get your money um... on a red card if he ever starts <laughs> right at left back.
1: I mean, I I quite like the idea if you're playing against a championship side in the cup competition and obviously that's where he played and that's obviously the, the level of opposition we were playing against when he did play at left back. So yeah, I mean if, if you're if you're playing against clearly inferior opposition and you're gonna be on the front foot, I think I think there's some merit in it because it allows you to kind of overload on that on that flank. But I think if you're playing against any any kind of serious opposition then I think Things have gone very
3: badly wrong if Musa Gineppo is your is your starting left back. <laughs> Even saying it out loud just seems a bit nervy, doesn't it? This uh, this close to the start of the season. It's like playing Shane Long's a holding midfielder.
4: Yeah, can you <laughs> imagine it? Second game of the season, Man United have got Jaden Sancho making his debut, and we've got Gineppo at left back. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm nervous already. Um, it kind of brings me on to. Our best eleven,
3: and and do we know, and can we agree between us what our our best eleven is? If we we start at the back with the keeper, um, do you, do you I've, know? I've, if... got no, I've got no idea there already. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> do you, Dan, do you think the the plan is still to rotate the keepers um, this 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 season?
5: I hope not. Yeah, same.
3: Um, right. I'm I'm
5: not a fan of that. I never have been. No, I I'd be surprised if it is. Yeah, you know, I don't know Ralph's thinking on. What he's going to do with the goalkeepers uh, my preference is Alex McCarthy I I would like him to start but again I I, I generally have no idea he's obviously been playing one resting the other during pre-season so it's you know your guess is kind of as good as mine at the moment if I was to bet on it I think I'd expect Alex to play against Everton but again I can't say that with any real certainty
3: there isn't any other club that's rotating keepers as often as as we do
4: in the Premier League. Who starts in goal for you, Glenn? Uh, Fraser Forster. I think him at his best is better than McCarthy at his best, and that that that's that's basically it. I mean, McCarthy was a bit flappy again on um, on Saturday, on the first goal in particular, and on um, what game was it? He got caught with the ball. Swansea, wasn't it? He got tackled in the penalty area again. So, to me. You know, if you're going to take preseason as a as a guide, Forster's Forster's not as good as as with the sweeper keeper stuff, but I think he's less likely to chuck one in his own net at the moment than McCarthy is. So I'd I'd go with him for that reason alone. Which means you get the casting vote, Steve. Uh, yeah, I'm on team Team Fraser. Yeah, same same sort of thing. I
1: think, and I I do actually think that we've kind of seen last season that Forster has clearly made uh, made reasonably good strides on a lot of the sort of extra stuff that we ask our goalkeepers to do these days. I mean one one game that particularly stands out is that Wolves Cup game, um last season where Forster was um sweeping up behind the defence superbly. There were a couple of times where um, Wolves put good balls um through um through in behind and he was he was out sweeping up and heading things clear and, and putting in um putting in excellent tackles and, and things like that and you can kind of you can clearly see that he's he's worked really hard on that side of things because when I mean, yeah i mean if, if we'd had this conversation two years ago and you're looking for someone who's going to be able to play that kind of sweepy up role then um forster wouldn't even be in the conversation but i just i just think he's probably the the slightly better all-round keeper and gives us that that kind of ability to play a slightly higher line if if that's if that's the way we want to go although i still kind of find that a little bit dangerous with our
3: lack of lack of pace. Yeah, agreed. So if we're ruling out Gineppo at left-back, who's going to be the back four for you, Glenn?
4: Uh, well, it doesn't look like Vestergaard's going to be ready to play, um, having only just got back from holiday. So it's going to be, I would say, Perot, Salisu, Bednarek and um, Walker-Peters. Agreed, Dan?
5: Yeah, that'd be my back four.
3: Um, so we know that James ward is going to be missing on Saturday too. So are we expecting Diallo
4: and Romeo in the middle? Yeah. Yeah, I can't see it being any, any other combination, to be honest.
3: Which brings us on to, I guess, the front, uh, should we say, two and the wingers. Um, where are the goals going to come from on, uh, on Saturday, Steve? I think Armstrong's got a start.
1: And I would say Redmond's probably played himself into, into a starting place with his, with his performances. Um, admittedly, against, mostly against championship opposition, but he's looked, he's looked slightly reinvigorated, reinvigorated this summer. Um, and I think the the two I would go with um, with Taylor and Adams again. I mean, there's not a huge huge wealth of kind of evidence to go on, but from what I've seen, they've they've struck up something of a partnership, and I think yeah, there's 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 something to be
4: excited about there. I think. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think that is that is the way Ralph will go. I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's the way I would go. I think I'd I'd have Walcott in there somewhere, but um, or maybe even Liveramento from the start. But uh, but I think what what Steve said there with Redmond on the left and Teller up front, I think that's that's what it will be.
3: I think the key will be trying to get Romento into that starting lineup somewhere uh, if if he is that good and and the impact that he had on Saturday. It's, where does he fit into that uh, that starting
4: eleven if if Walker Peters is playing as well? Is there room for them both? Do you think there, Glenn, somewhere? Yeah, definitely, because he he's played right wing, you know, right midfield, right wing for Chelsea Academy as well, so. And Armstrong's versatile. He can play off the left-hand side. And and in a lot of games, he ends up over the left-hand side anyway. You know, he tends to swap over with whoever's on, whoever's nominally on the left and, and do some good work over there. So they could certainly look look to do that. Liveramento's got, got form apparently playing on the left-hand side as well. But uh, he's known to prefer the right-hand side. So there's there's certainly no reason why him and Walker Peters can't be in the same side. And I I ultimately think that is what will happen. Would Walcott start up front for you as well, Dan, or Theo from the bench? Uh, no, I think I'd
5: have to fit Theo on the bench. I'd go Adams and Teller up top. They'd be the, the two I'd go with. And just thinking about that, how you could fit Livermento in to the team, Yeah, I thought Armstrong was pretty impressive as a central midfielder last season because he arguably carries the ball better than any other player in the team. And I think if you partnered him alongside Romeo, it may actually give him a bit of freedom. So... Yeah, I, I think it would be Romeo and Diallo, but I do think if you want, you could put Armstrong next to Romeo and that obviously frees up a number ten spot and Livermore could just slot in there and still play with Redmond. Uh, yeah, that's, quite, that's, quite, that's quite an attacking um option, isn't it? I think having Armstrong in,
1: in the in the eight role. Um in well, basically War prowses position.
4: Yeah. That's what they did for the tail end of last season though, really, wasn't it? And Armstrong was he learned to be much more disciplined, because what I was worried about when he first played in the centre is that he didn't he didn't seem to, you know, know when not to run forward. If that makes sense. Romeo is,
5: um, is better defensively than Prousey. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, you know, Romelu is not glamorous going forward, but you could rely on him, just sort of seeing in front of the defence. Yeah, I think while the, Armstrong was given a bit of freedom,
4: the starting eleven will be as we kind of as we kind of discussed. But I think the options later on in the game will be, you know, Livramento to the right, Armstrong either to the middle or to the left, and. You know, Walcott probably will come on up front. I would imagine. You know, if if Teller can't do ninety minutes, so uh, yeah, there's 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 a few options there, and it's it's not all uh, it's not all doom and gloom, which seems to be the uh, general mood about the place at the moment. Coming from you, that's good, though, right? Coming from me, yeah, that's good. I mean, I think <laughs> I think Everton's a decent chance, to be honest. Yeah. To apart to from get... the
1: fact that it's Everton,
4: yeah, and we got to forget about that. But it's you know, there's a good chance for at least a point up there because they seem a bit of a mess. You know, they got tanked 4-0 by Man United a couple of days ago, didn't they? In a pre- I always find it slightly bizarre when Premier League clubs play each other in pre-season friendlies. But, um, but yeah, they, I mean, they got tanked by Man United. They got a new manager in who they don't like. They've got, you know, other issues. They've signed some very strange players as well. that You just didn't expect them to sign bit like Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. It's strange. It's the only word I've got for it. So, I, I don't think they're in the the best of shape. Um, their best player is Richarlison. He's been playing in the Copa America and um, and the Olympics. So who knows whether he's going to be playing for them? So yeah, I think there's there's no reason to go out there and uh, and think that we can't get anything other than. As Steve said, we never get anything at Everton. It's going to be a couple of
3: weeks before everybody's back and all the squads are up to full strength when we really can start to to, to make uh, judgments, I assume. But new manager coming in, um, the fans at Everton were sort of divided on that one, weren't they? I wonder whether that will sort of play into our hands a bit on
4: Saturday afternoon. Well, they were divided in that they either hated him or really hated him. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't really anything it's sort of like in between, I think. I think they've kind of settled down now, and and um, I mean it's been a it's been a bad summer for them because you know Ancelotti really um, really stabbed them in the back sort of thing, and then um, and then to get an ex Liverpool manager who. Is so synonymous with Liverpool, and he talks about him all the time. And he, when he went back with his other clubs, he was waving at the fans and all that sort of stuff. I can't wait for the first interview where he actually accidentally says Liverpool instead of Everton. That's just going to be hilarious. But, or turns uh, up at the wrong training ground. Yeah, or the or the wrong dugout, or or something like that. <laughs> he'll, he'll
1: he'll do the Ronald Ronald Koeman thing of having a Christmas tree with red baubles on.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, we, do, we do never win our first game, though, do we? That's always the problem with us. We tend to be quite slow at the block, Steve. Yeah, and to be honest, it, it,
1: it's quite convenient, actually, to marry that with Everton away, because then you, you're, only, you're only sacrificing one game, effectively. Get it over uh, and done with. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm expecting very little from, uh, from Saturday, regardless of how well or badly we, we might play. Um, it it genuinely doesn't seem to matter what the relative positions or situations are at either club. We will go to Goodison and we will not win. Even if we are comfortably in front and comfortably the better side for 90 minutes, they will pop up with a deflected equaliser off someone's ass. Um, in the ninety seventh minute to deny us. Get and your mortgage the, on it,
3: everybody. Yeah, and the, the Gladys
1: Street end will celebrate like they won the league,
3: um,
1: despite having been silent for the for the previous hour and a half. It's just, it's just the way it goes for us up
3: there. I guess the other thing is I'm struggling to think what sort of a team we are going to be this season. Um, are we going to be? We talked last year, I think, about we're going to be quite hard to beat. We're going to be pressing. We're going to be scoring goals. I I don't. As I sit here ahead of the new season, I don't know if I could tell somebody what sort of team we're going to be going into the, this year.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't be rushing to pick our players in fan, in fancy football initially. I'd probably wait. I'd probably give it a month, and as you say, see see how we're looking in terms of are we going, are we attacking teams in certain situations? Are we looking like a like quite an impressive counter-attacking side? Are we looking solid defensively? I mean, from what I've from what I've seen of pre-season, I, I think that last one is probably is probably going to be an in, an initial no, but we'll grow into it, and hopefully, if and when Vestergaard's back, if he's still with us, I mean, God knows what's happening on that. But yeah, I mean, are are we going to be defensively sound? Um toss a coin at this stage, I think. Mm.
3: Let's get your score predictions for Saturday then. Do you want to start, Steve? Um following <laughs> following your your optimism there. Uh
1: yeah, I'll go um I'll go two one Everton win.
3: Glenn? Uh I'll go
4: for a one all draw.
3: Yeah. I fancy a bit of one all as well, actually. I think we'll get a goal um and then get pegged back. Dan, what do you think? I was gonna go one all, but we can't all do the same, so I'll go one nil. Southampton. 1-0 Southampton. Okay. Madness. <laughs> ever, ever the optimist. Well, let's hope uh, a new signing may be on the score sheet for Saturday. Um, you mentioned the uh, the Fantasy League there as well. I should say that there is a Total Saints podcast Fantasy League, uh, which has been set up this year for, for patrons only. Are we all in? Have we all got our teams? No. Right, I know that it, it, you had to be cajoled into this last season, so I didn't expect it to be any different. Uh, you've got until Friday, I believe. I think at lunchtime, um, Steve, Glenn, you got your teams.
1: Yeah, mine, mine's done, but already needs some uh, some rework because I think there's, I think a couple of players I've I've picked are already injured. I think Rob, Robertson got injured today for Liverpool, so um, need some uh, frantic changes.
4: Yeah, it's the same. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm never I'm mid-table mediocrity. Every single time. Um, every year I've played it, I've always been the same. Finished the equivalent of thirteenth in the league. That's um that's that's me. I have the only person I really care about beating is my son, and he beat me last year. So I've I've got that to worry about. But more of uh, the same. I'm not gonna be worrying anyone up near the top of the um at the leaderboard put it that way
3: all right well we've got some new levels um for patrons which i'll get onto um in just a minute dan do you want to just remind us about the athletic because you've been there for a year now is that right um how people can find out more about your work and we've referenced some of the articles today um there's a whole wealth of stuff on there that's um that's worth catching up with ahead of the new season
5: yeah so easy to just theathletic.com i think it's then forward slash southampton is where you'll find all the southampton stuff or just follow me on Twitter and you'll you'll see all the sort of stuff I post and can can head through to the website that way.
3: Fantastic. Thanks for joining me this week, chaps. Um, I know it's my first one, so thank you for bearing with me. And I look forward to chatting after the Everton game uh, next weekend. Don't forget, if you're interested in becoming a Total Saints podcast patron, there are some different tiers this year, ranging from the Bobby Stokes tier for just £5, which, as well as supporting the pod, it also gets your entry into the Fantasy League. Then there's the Ricky Lambert tier. We've got the Francis Benali tier. And we've got the Matthew Letizia tier, which uh, is essentially all the bells and whistles. I think you get to go on holiday with either Glenn or Steve if you subscribe to that. And a big thanks to our first Francis Benali tier member, Nick Reed. His pledge gets him a thanks at the end of every episode for his support. Thanks a lot, Nick. Great to have you on board. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow the podcast uh, wherever you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a rating and a review as well. And you can always get in touch with us on the socials. We are at Total Saints Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can drop us an email via the website.
0: by fans.